message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakinDeacon.com Good morning, Father. Uh, most importantly, get me out of the way that your truths would be lifted up, that we would understand it through the power of the Holy Spirit, and obey it to your glory. That's what love looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. This message we're calling, um, Learn to Discern. And um, Spurgeon made this quote kind of popular back in the day. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Now, technically speaking, is almost right right? Almost right is still wrong, isn't it? Okay? But this is how the enemy works. The enemy likes to do 90% truth with just a, just a sprinkling of lie. And that's all it takes to make something all a lie. All right? Now, before I'm going to I'm going to cover two topics today. And the first topic is, you know, the the devil, the bad guy, the enemy has one playbook. And we all know the playbook because the scripture tells us what the playbook is. And his, holy, his own goal, that's it, is to implement his playbook. And now, because he's angelic and he's a spiritual being, um, he's still around. He was around from Adam and Eve. And he, his sole goal is to implement his playbook. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about how to unpack the Orlando shooting. And the reason I want to do that objectively for you is because of the social media and because of what I've been seeing going on out there, Christians are getting swept up into something that's not good. And this is an opportunity. I'm not going to rail against it, but I want to give you an opportunity how to discern how to respond to such a weird incident. Because it was weird. And I'll explain why when we get to it. So bear with me, and we're going to go through these parts together. First, the enemy has a one playbook and one goal. The devil, since he fell, has one goal. He wants to be God. Even though he's a creation, he knows God created him. He was, you know, he was the coolest thing God created. And his sole goal is to say, God, you made me so cool that I want you off the throne. I want your throne. That's his goal. You would think he'd be smarter than that, that he knows the Bible better than you and I, and he knows that God is sustaining his existence right now. But he thinks he can still be God, even though he's relying on God to rebel against God. Right? You would think, what? Why is he doing that? So here's a lot of Bible verses, and I'll try to, some of them I'm going to jump over just so I don't overwhelm you with information. But, um... Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is our launch pad for today. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day, now this is talking about the return of Jesus. Some people said, oh, you missed it. Jesus came already. And um, this is Paul writing back, telling them no. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. There it is. 
There's the playbook. That's the end game. That's the goal. Okay? Now, he's called the man of lawlessness. Right? Now, people through the ages, from Nero, Stalin, Hitler, were all considered antichrists. Right? In their own way. And even though they tried to implement law, socialism, um, communism, whatever Hitler's uh, Nazism was, it was all lawlessness. Whenever they implement a law to steal a freedom from somebody, they're really implementing lawlessness. Okay? Because the goal is death. But God is restraining. The devil's like, just let me at it, let me at it, let me do my thing. And God's like, it ain't time yet. I'm saving people. It ain't your time yet. Okay? That's what God's doing. And that's what it says in chapter 2, 6 through 8. And now you know what is restraining him. Now so that he may be revealed at his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until it is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. This is cool. What it's saying is God's holding back the devil from implementing an antichrist, right? There's plenty of people are popping up willing to be the devil's antichrist. And God's like, no, you can't implement your playbook yet. No, no, no. Not till I have given you permission. God is restraining him. Um, from doing his thing. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago, this text. This was already going on, right? That's why the early church, they say, be, be, be ready, because the end is near, right? All God has to do is say, okay, go. And the devil's going to hustle, and he's going to do all these things and show how awesome he is, and then God's going to go, oh, because look at this. When Jesus reveals, he's going to kill him with the breath of his mouth. It's, Jesus is just going to... I could imagine it's like a sigh, like a... Huh, done. All of that effort. Thousands of years the devil has been waiting to manipulate a human being to be the Antichrist. And Jesus is going to go, eh, done. That's how big it's, big it's going to be for Jesus. I'm trying to set you up here. I'm trying to keep this simple too. One of the devil's ways is to counterfeit things. Give fake signs, fake uh, miraculous things, fake stuff, counterfeit stuff. And verses 9 and 10, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Now, in your mind, you may now place the Orlando shooting and all the details you know about it. This is what's going on to a T. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love. They refused to love. But aren't we supposed to be responding in love and love is this and love is that? That whole Orlando shooting is because people refused to love the truth and be saved. It's 
hate that's going on down there. And we got the role thinking that the Christians are the evil bigots who aren't loving them, right? Because sin's still sin. No, the hate is people who are refusing to love the truth of God. And so they're making up their homemade stuff. And we'll see that in 11 and 12. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What preacher are you going to hear say that on TV or on the radio? That's unloving. Doesn't, aren't we all the children of God? It doesn't God love everybody? Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion. Now, these are people who already hate love. They don't love the truth of God. They hate God. So God says, you hate me, I'll give you what you want. Total stupidness. You're going to believe every dumb thing Bill Nye and the President give you and you're going to suck it up like candy. Bye. You don't love me? I'm giving you what you want. A strong delusion so they believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. Hey, you know, you need Jesus Christ or you're not going to heaven. I don't believe that. You're done. God, but had pleasure, pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay? I wanted to set you this up because, you know, let me see if I can set this up as an example. My opinion doesn't matter, right? Does your opinion matter? Does your opinion make something true? Does my opinion make something true? No. The Bible makes something true. Only what God says makes it true. Right? So, your opinion doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. God's opinion is the only thing that matters. Because what God says is true. What we say is usually not quite true. Right? We're like, well, we got to... And we come up with these crazy ideas for dumb things. we got to keep it objective. So in this room, we're like, oh man, the world's all screwed up. How do we respond to that? God? Got it? That's how it works. Now, how do Christians respond and react to that Orlando event? Let's unpack this. First of all, we have scripture from 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Now, my brain almost exploded last weekend because even in our own town, because I do follow social media, there was a post that came through that said gay people are like left-handed people and left-handed people are just, they're just born that way and it's not right or wrong. It's not? It's not right or wrong if people have a propensity to sin? Because they're born that way? You could replace gay with any other sin, couldn't you? Some people are born murderers. Look at the abortion doctors. They're making lots of money systematically murdering babies. 
Well, they put, they're born that way. What about liars? What about cheaters? Anyone in this room ever lie before? So if we're born liars, hey, is it wrong? Right? But that's logic. We don't want to use logic. We want to use the Bible. What does the Bible say? Oh, there it is. I feel like a Mr. Rogers episode. Let's look. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Now, this is a sin list. This is a list of sins. If I'm going to send you to the grocery store and I'm saying, go down to the vegetable aisle and get this list of vegetables. All right? You're going to expect to go to the grocery aisle and see vegetables in the vegetable section. In the Bible, this is the sin section. So what you're about to see is a list of sins. Bad things. Things that God says are bad. Alright? Just want to make sure we're clear on that. Here it is. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? If you've been here the last two weeks, I read to you from Scripture where that through Christ, the people who are saved are God's righteousness. That you can leave here as a Christian. Remember the t-shirt saying, I'm the righteousness of God? That's what a Christian can say. But look what it says here. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom? Look, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's any physical intimacy outside of marriage between a man and a woman, that covers it all nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Effeminate is guys dressing and acting and being like girls. Alright? Not the guy who struggles with a lisp, but the, the people who, the guys who are, the, um, the, you know, the Wheaties guy. You know who I'm talking about? Okay? Bruce Jenner, who's trying to be effeminate on purpose nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. See, it's not just this sin. It's all the sins won't inherit the kingdom of God. But because of a president saying, this one's okay now, even though it's still written in the Bible, I have decreed it is no longer evil. Who are you, Mr. President, to, say, to think you have a higher authority than the creator of the universe? Sorry, God hasn't changed his mind. All right? These folks are trying to run into the bathrooms, right? Having us all freaking out. We don't know what we're going to see in there. <laughs> right? It's kind of scary. But, which one of these describes you? Right? At least in your heart. You know about adulterers? Jesus says if you lust in your heart, it's adultery. Uh-oh. Boy, he just broadened it, didn't he? So which one of this is you? Right? Well, uh-oh. Now look what it says here. That is a list of what unrepentant people do. 
See, sin is the great equalizer. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There isn't a person in this room who's not guilty. We're all guilty. Sin is the great equalizer. So, no one can condemn, and no one can be called a hypocrite. I don't believe Christians can be called hypocrites. Only lost people pretending to be righteous. But Christians can't pretend to be righteous because they're the first persons in the room to say they're guilty. Alright? So, it's like, if you want to accuse me, let's start there. That's a great place to start. You're right, I'm guilty. Okay, now let's talk about the gospel. You know, great opportunities to talk about the gospel. Here's the gospel. And right after that sin list, there God didn't change his mind, 6.11 says this, And such were some of you. But, the coolest thing in the Bible are these holy buts. <laughs> but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's our dance party right there. That's where, like, that's right. That was some of me. That was me. But I'm washed, sanctified, meaning set apart. I'm going to cleanse you through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to pull you out of this world racing towards hell. You are now set apart and you're justified. Through the righteous work of Christ, you're justified. You are now the righteousness of God through Jesus in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what God does for sinners of whom I am the worst. That's what Paul said, and he wrote half that Bible. Do you get it? That's good news. So how do we unpack this correctly? First, let the Bible inform you. My opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. What does God's opinion matter? We all pretend to be open-minded until it comes to the Word of God, and then we shut our brains down, don't we? And we know people who do. All that matters is God's opinion, because that's what holds the universe together. Um, let's unpack this incident correctly. A member of Islam murdered sodomites. <clears throat> that's what really happened. Darkness attacked darkness. Now that's what confused me. I didn't get this one. What was the devil's play here? Why was darkness attacking darkness? Right? A member of the, the religion of peace was, was in a place of total sin and depravity, murdering people whose sole goal to be there was to commit acts of sodomy. And you know where you get the word sodomy from? Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay? An unrepentant lost person of a godless religion un attacked unrepentant lost people indulging in fornication, idolatry, adultery, effeminate activity, homosexuality, and drunkenness, and I'm sure you could add drugs and a few more in there. These people were not heroes. They were not missionaries going out to share their faith. They were going to have unbridled lawless sin. They were in the acts of full-on rebellion against God. This is just what it looks like. 
But they were at that club to hate God and love themselves. There is no virtue in any of the activity that was taking place there. And we want to be careful that we unpack this biblically. This event was a demonic nightmare. For me, being in the 80s, there's a lot of 80s horror movies where, whether it be kids at camp, and they're all there to sin, and then the murderer comes along and butchers them gruesomely. Okay, this is an 80s movie. Everyone was there to sin, and along comes a demon-possessed guy laughing as he's murdering them and praising his demonic god. Okay? This was a hell-ridden horror movie from beginning to end. And what's worse is that everyone who died died in their sin, their unrepentant sin. But let's look at this. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. All right? Even though we have gun laws, did that guy, and that guy actually was part of the DHS. He was already vetted and approved to sling weapons around. So it lets you know how safe our gun laws are. But it doesn't matter because sin is lawlessness. It doesn't matter how many laws you have, a bad guy's going to be bad. So let's unpack this. In 1 Peter 1.13 and 14, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but he who has called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. That's a great verse. I don't even remember cutting and pasting that in there. See, the devil's goal of having darkness tackle darkness and kill darkness was to create counterfeit martyrs out of sodomites so people will support more sodomy and sin and hate towards God. Because isn't it if you look at the internet, I even watched a video of a Christian minister, excuse me, a rabbi and an imam all together saying how they're standing in unity in support of the LGB community. And I'm like, what in the world? That's a strong delusion to believe a lie. You do not stand in unity with people who are unrepentant, God-hating sinners who are full-on hating God with all their heart. Right? You don't stand for sin and you don't stand for people who are in full rebellion of sin. You do not stand in unity of that ever. Well, how do you show love then? How do you show love to God-haters? Let's look. First of all, I want to remind you again, God gives people over to a strong delusion so they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Remember, everyone at that nightclub had one goal. One goal. Pleasure in unrighteousness. All right? That's their goal. 
And they want you to accept that level of morality. Period. You will accept it and affirm it like it's normal. Well, what, when does it end? So here's how to respond correctly. First, we're going to look at how Jesus responded to a massacre at a synagogue in his day. See, at that time, Jesus has his disciples and Pilate, the Roman government, went and killed Galileans who were worshiping and sacrificing at the temple. So the blood of the Galileans mixed with the blood of their sacrifices. All right? they, were, they were murdered by the government while they were worshiping a church. Okay? And people went to Jesus. Jesus! Man, Jews were killed by the Romans. What are you going to do about it? Here's Jesus' response. Luke 13, 1 through 5. Now there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. Or those 18 of whom the Tower of Shalom or Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What Jesus is saying here is that, one, everybody's guilty. Were the people at the nightclub more guilty than us or our neighbors? No. Because one white lie is worth all the sodomy on the planet. Now, when it comes to being rebellious against God, it is. And the repercussions for sin is, right? Some sins lead to death and others don't. But all sin is rebellion against God. Does that make sense? So that's in one, That's why we're all there. So basically, Jesus is telling them, sounds terrible, make sure you've repented. Do not get caught like they got caught down there in your sin, is what Jesus was warning them. So never affirm sin for any reason. Do not stand in solidarity with people who are outright rebellion against God and something bad happens to them. You can stand with the individual, but do not stand for what they stand for. And if there's confusion about it, you do not make the mistake of putting rainbow flags on your Facebook. If you got that, I don't know if you do, take them down. You do never stand for evil, ever. What if someone went to a Satanist rally and killed all the Satanists? Would you say you stand for Satan? Well, well, we've got to stand in solidarity towards all the Satan worshippers because they were murdered. Would you do that for them? I, I hope not. I'm trying to paint a picture here that you wouldn't do that. So, um, for any reason, sodomites, fornicators, adulterers, or drunkards do not affirm their sin. How do you have mercy on them? Jude 1, 22 and 23. Have mercy on those who doubt. Look at this yellow part here, 23. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. 
Okay? Your only goal is to be able to go to that person lost in sin and say, you have got to repent. What if you were there that night? You would have died and gone to hell and you would have thought that experience was hell? And then you'd end up in the righteous judgment of God? And that'd be far worse than what you experienced at the nightclub. We've got to be warning these people they need Jesus before they die, just like all the rest of us, right? Don't we need Jesus before we die? Don't they need Jesus before they die? It's, that's the gospel. How do we show others? Now, here's an illustration. So, Javin and Caitlin are back from all their running around this week. And so, Saturday morning, it's time to pick up your rooms. Pick up your rooms. Go pick up your rooms. Do you know what they do? They don't pick up their rooms. They drag their feet. They make excuses. They hem and they haw. And, well, I gotta, I gotta brush my teeth first. And I gotta take a glass of water first. And I gotta, I gotta make sure you're not looking so I can hide in the corner and not clean my room first. Right? This is how I feel when I mention this to Christians. The only solution to loving the lost is sharing the gospel. Now that's a verbal thing. See these holes you have in your face? The biggest one? This is meant for sharing the gospel. The gospel is the piece of information that lets somebody know how they don't have to go to hell. That's this part. And we speak it. Not show up with the good works. I'm so good. You just watch me and you'll figure it out. That won't happen. You need to share the gospel. Speak the gospel. Somehow, in some crazy, uncomfortable way, speak the gospel so that they can hear it. Now, how many of you feeling like, you know, your parents just told you to go clean your room on a Saturday morning when the cartoons are on? I don't want to do that. That's so uncomfortable in my day. I've got plans. Right? Sharing the gospel. Now, here's the real reason we share the gospel. Jesus commands it. Oh, man. If only Jesus didn't command it, then it could be an option for me. <laughs> Jesus commands it. And we should be excited about the gospel. Look what Paul writes. Now, this is Paul writing Romans while in jail in Rome, waiting to have his head lopped off by Nero. This is what he writes, Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Are we ashamed of the gospel? Look back in the last month, two months. Did any opportunity come up to get very specific about how a person can know they're going to heaven? And we just went like, bleh, right? And we just jumped off the track ourselves. Are we ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I hope that shakes our foundations, challenges us. Um, I got two slides left. We're almost done. You all have done a great job. You're pretty well all conscious, so I'm going to wrap it up while I'm ahead. 
Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I read this one last week. It was so good I had to read it again. Um, Two ways you can share the gospel. Uh, One, I mentioned the big hole in our face, our mouth. We speak it. And two, for all you social media people, cut and paste it. So I was, I was at a party. I was out. Um, it was Grandpa's 90 hundredth billion year, 98 birthday party. And that's when I was outside just catching up on Facebook. Saw the gay people. It's not right or wrong. It's just the way it is. And I quickly went to 1 Corinthians, cut and paste those two verses, slapped them in there, and said, it's very wrong still. Right? Now, I didn't make a big, eloquent, preachy speech like here. I just cut and paste God's Word onto that news feed and let them deal with God. Because, what am I? Who am I? Let them face God. Right? That's the wonderful thing about Facebook and such, is you can cut and paste Bible at people all over the place. Bam, 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 where they need it. And that is showing love. As a matter of fact, it's the only way that Christians show love to lost people is to give them the Word of God. That is, you cannot say you're standing in solidarity with people and not ask them to repent. You are hating them if you affirm their sin. You want them to go to hell if you affirm their sin. No one hates a lost person more than someone who affirms their sin. That is the most evil, demonic thing you could do, and the devil's going, that's right, you just keep shutting up. Don't tell them the truth. Affirm their sin. Good boy. Right? We don't want to do that. We're not enemies of that. When with these two slides. Here it is. The doxology in Jude 1, 24 and 25. This is the same Bible verses that said, Rescue them as snatching them from a fire. Tell them the gospel. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault or and with great joy. Without fault. I'm standing before God without fault. But I'm a big failure. Jesus paid it all. I'm on his card. Yeah! Great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now, and forevermore. Just in case you didn't hear that, please rise as we get ready to pray and close with song. Please rise, making sure you're awake. Look at this one last time. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. And all of God's saints say, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your objective truth, a clear, clear light in a present darkness. May these saints find hope that you will always tell them the truth and never lie to them. And that the word of God is already in their house. 
find ways more into their heart so that you would be glorified and you'd use your saints effectively. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. From Bibles websites to theology, apps to blogs, there are so many fantastic resources for Christians. Get the latest news and reviews on what is out there to help you grow in Christ. TheSpeakinDeacon.com Truth is here.